Fanchon talks, wait, can we just say we're back together? And that's kind What's of exciting. Up? We didn't get to do a whole, well, I think we did majority of our episodes together this season, but it's nice to be back with you, Anya. It is um, really nice to be back together. And really with nice. our amazing guests. I know. Just a little bit about Sister Brunch. It's a podcast about black women and non-binary folks striving and thriving in media, entertainment, and the arts. And we can't wait to share more stories with you over the next few weeks. And today's fabulous guest is Davina Heflin. Davina is a TV lit manager at Verve Agency. She started out as an assistant at Gersh, which is also an agency here in Hollywood, if you aren't aware, and you should be because you should get to know all these agencies. Um, <laughs> and so she was an assistant there, and then she moved up the ranks of the TV literary department. She has focused on identifying and empowering a diverse range of voices. We love that including yes. those of the LGBTQ plus community and has her master's in screenwriting from Chapman University and a BA in English and creative writing from St. Vincent College. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Snaps. Snaps. I wonder if we like passed each other in the hallways of Gersh because that's my agency. I know, I know. I love them uh, like family. Uh, I miss them dearly, but yes, they are. We probably did at some point. I was probably just a scared little intern walking through and then a scared little assistant <laughs> running through too. So yeah. <laughs> but thank you both for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. We're so, We're so excited to talk to you. Yes. I, cause I actually, Bring us I think, into your world. Yeah, I think you might be our first guest that has gone a little bit, if this is okay to say, a bit of a traditional route in the sense of people think like, oh, you start in the mail yeah. room at an agency, which you didn't start yeah. in the mail room. But can you take us back, however far back you want to go, and talk to us about how you got to where you are now? Definitely, definitely. So uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, born and raised. What? Uh, nice. Pull okay. one, two in the house. But yeah, yes. so I have always been a writer uh, since I was a kid. Very early on, I figured out that English was my easiest subject. Uh, I just understood <laughs> words a bit better than math and science. So being a good mother, my mom just shepherded me in that direction as much as she could. Awesome. Um, so I grew up with this love of writing and eventually I discovered like, oh, you can get paid for this. And then I discovered the industry of filmmaking. And I was like, oh, people write these movies, duh, okay. <laughs> so that leads me, I graduate, I move out to LA, graduated from Chapman, but I had this innate fear of graduating without a job. I was very, oh, very wow. terrified of that. So I put two and two together that if I understood the business of Hollywood, then I can always guarantee myself a job because I would know how the engine works. And I had a mentor at the time who told me like, oh, okay, you need to get in at an agency because that's where you see the inner workings of the industry. I came in as a babe. I knew absolutely nothing. I didn't recognize names. I did not have, I didn't understand networking. Like I came in <laughs> with a huge, huge learning curve. So I figured why not? Like let's, I can learn everything I need to learn. I got a guaranteed paycheck coming every two weeks and I can nice. be at a place that can elevate me as well. I can, I can use this as a stepping stone. So yes, the, the traditional path was definitely more for me uh, just cause it was a little more structured for me. And it was like agencies are meant to be learning facilities. So I was able to, yeah. in essence, continue my education beyond my actual education, which was a plus for me. So 
got in, I started interning at Gersh, started building my skills up, graduated, started in the mailroom. I was in the mailroom quite a wow. bit. <laughs> I was okay. That- <laughs> oh, you really did come through the mailroom. All right. I, I love, I love having a real live person that have this experience and a, you know, black person at that. Like, it's good to hear. Okay. <laughs> yes, it was, uh, it was very, very different. I delivered mail for a living. That's, that's what I did. Wow. And, I was met with that reality a lot, but uh, I did a full six months in the mailroom before I got snatched and I started on Sean Barclay's desk in the TV lit department. Nice. Let me ask this, delivering mail, does it help you with the names and understanding like who people are and where they are? Like, I mean, is there merit to that? Oh, definitely. So there's uh, Gersh's pretty solid sized agency. So there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people to know. And then beyond that, there's all the people they work with to start knowing as well. So that was like really the fundamental step of like, this is how you you learn people and remember people from faces to names. Like it's a very real skill set to have because you'll be on the street and you'll see somebody that you actually email with every single day and you want to be able to recognize their name, recognize their face. So it was like a fundamental thing. It's it's taking it back to basics, right? Like taking it back dialing it down and truly starting from a ground zero place, um, which was, again, which was brilliant for me being somebody who did not know anything. So I didn't, I didn't have the skill set to remember a name the first time I've met them. I I didn't have any of those skill sets at all. Uh, This, this was a crash course in that you had to deliver that mail on time every 30 minutes you had to know exactly where to go to uh you had to remember names as you're walking throughout the hallways uh all of those things so yeah fundamentals all the way has it changed since because in my mind i'm thinking physical mail because that's what it always has been but you mentioned email and i'm presuming that is there is there a change there in terms of digital mail and did that change your job or is it still physically like delivering hand delivering letters it's definitely still hand delivering letters um wow. on top of so mailroom trainees they get caught up like their training period is being able to cover a desk and it's pretty much when you get to be the acting assistant for the day and that's whenever you get into okay. communicating with people over emails, talking to people, mm-hmm. scheduling meetings, tracking money, doing all of these kind of heavier responsibility tasks. Mm-hmm. It's it's a training process and it's a program all the way. Nice. So so you got snatched up by Sean because you had done some time at his desk and he liked you. That's kind of how you start to find your way. Is that yeah, so I was yeah. I was originally supposed to be on the feature side of things just because I thought I understood the process a little more. Then I transitioned mm-hmm. down to film financing because, again, my mind thinking, if you understand the system and the model, yes. you can manipulate Smart. it and you can start to change it. Um, and I was yeah. this close to locking in a desk in film financing, but Sean's current assistant got sick. He caught mono for two weeks and I got pulled over to the desk. And in the two weeks, Sean and I just immediately kind of clicked. And you meet people like that in the industry where you're just like, man, did I just kind of meet my new best friend? Do you understand Mm, me completely? Yes. Like, is this a cool thing? Wow. Yeah. And I saw in him the things that like he was about the changes I wanted to see. At this point, I was able Mm. like this was around that time when everyone was screaming like, we want women in diversity. We want women in diversity. Mm -hmm. And then like 
all everything would still be whitewashed. The rooms would still be all white. The director slate would be all white. The producers would be all white. The writers would be all white. Like it, it just completely whitewashed. And I was verbal about that. And he was the first person that didn't shy away from that conversation, but actually took it head on and and started showing me ways that you could be an influence in the position to help bring about better change down to who you represent, the content they want to create, protecting them all the way through their career, and really then having a say in the projects that get put on display and actually make it to production, right? Like it covers the whole process. So at first I told Sean, I'm not an agent. I'm a writer. (laughs) Don't, don't try (laughs) to So you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't try it. Don't try it. This is no conversion over here. I'm here to get my experience wow. and yes, yes. chop that deuces. <laughs> and he was fine with it. He he let me go through my process. But mm-hmm. we would be not arguing, but we we would have conversations about my frustrations in the industry on a weekly mm. basis. And I just wasn't, I just wasn't understanding what the issue was. So after thinking on it, talking on it, eventually I kind of realized that like, oh, the people protecting the artists have influence just as artists have influence. I started looking around and I was like, there's no one like me here. And maybe that's a part of the problem. Right. Like maybe if there were more people like me at this stage and really conscientious about the process all the way through, maybe that's a missing link there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I saw a need and uh, I had a decision to make and he challenged me. He's like, you know, you can go after this and you can become this and you can do this for real and you can make a positive impact, right? Like that's why we're in this industry. We wanna make Mm. a positive impact through artwork. So I I decided, I said, you know what? Like it is better to help the many and to widen the gate for the many than it is to just struggle and go after my own individual selfish ideas. So I decided to make a change and I pursued uh, representation. And I wanted to be, coming from the writing side, people always told me like, you think like a manager and you operate like a manager, but I specifically Mm. wanted to be an agent because I did not see many black agents at all. And agents, agents have a bit of power. Agents are deciding who gets put up for things. We're the ones talking to the people that make the decisions on things. We're the one whining and dining them. We're the one convincing them. You know, they always say, nobody knows what they really want. Well, it's the agent's job to tell them what they want, right? Like it's, it's our job to get the people in the room that have that vision that is what they need. So yeah, I decided to shift and, and I've, I haven't looked back. This is Sister Brunch with Fanta Cox and Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with our incredible guest, TV lit agent, Davina Heflin. Hey, we're back. Check out more of our conversation with Davina Heflin. What you're saying about agents is everything I wish that the agents that sometimes I got to deal with understood about what they're doing. 
And so not all agents do, but also I'm so glad to know that you are there as a role model for this is what agents are there to do. And not just to kind of, you know, gain their own power and access, but to do that for other people. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm very inspired by <laughs> and glad to know you're out there. And, and we will be talking after this because, uh, yeah. Also, <laughs> I'll just say, and you're probably going to get to this. It does not mean in any way that you have to give up your career as a writer. Everything you're doing right now feeds you and your strengths as a writer. And when you're ready and you're making all these incredible relationships, we want to read your stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. so, anyway. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like in your role as an agent, you just said like, you know, you know what's right. Is that because you as an agent, you're getting all of, you're representing people and then you get all of these different shows or these different things that are coming through your path. So you really have to be in tune, in tune with the people you're representing so that you know, this is going to resonate with my clients. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, definitely. So agents are required to know everything. Quite, quite literally. <laughs> the librarian. You're like, wow. so true, yeah. right? Exactly. So yeah. Agents, because we're the epicenter, that means every single piece of information passes mm. the agency mm. and we are the yes. ones that then move it and push it and further it along. So it's about balancing yeah. what the where the marketplace is at, reading every single script that the network actually puts forward into production, understanding mm. what their slate is, knowing what their goals and motives are, and balancing with that what, what the desires of the client is and what the stories yeah. they want to tell are mm -hmm. and finding mm -hmm. that medium of where they line up. Because a lot of times the, you know, the networks just know the broad strokes, what's going to fill the hole that we currently have in our slate. Mm -hmm. But it's the creative okay. that comes in with the specific vision of this is the yeah. story that deserves to be told and must be uh, told. Yeah. And it's the passion that pushes the the collaboration forward, right? It's two people mm -hmm. coming together yeah. saying like, okay, yeah, this works. And then we add to the team some more. We add to the team some more. Next thing you know, you have a full production going. Everybody's getting paid and you get a beautiful piece of art <laughs> in the end. Um, yeah. But it's definitely a balancing yeah. act. But the only way to balance it is to know the information. Uh, to know what yeah. the data boils down to and being yeah. able to articulate that to the client. Because, yeah. you know, um, I'm sure you guys know ideas come a, so much, a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. There are so many original ideas, IP. There are so many stories that can be told. It's the agent's job to know the heartbeat of what should be told of what's ready to be told. Because we digest everything, we have a better understanding of what the audience is feeding off mm. of and really getting to the heart of that. So I take it very seriously. I think it's an important job. And you have to really be forward thinking in that too. I think a lot of agents, especially older agents, are kind of like, oh, well, you know, for example, we, we had a sci-fi project and it was like, oh, we've ha we already have enough black people in sci-fi. And I'm like, how are you saying that when we haven't even begun to tap black yes. folks in sci-fi, right? And so you not only have to know everything that's happening now, but you also have to kind of be able to prophesize on where we're going to go future. and be part of pushing us in that direction too mm -hmm. by putting forward your clients that are thinking in that way. Yes, yes. And the only way to do that is to know your client intimately, right? So yeah. in an industry that's based on relationships, I think 
the most important relationship is the one between client and agent or client and manager mm. because it's the rep's job to know you so intimately well and to know your creative process so well that we can be additive to that conversation and identifying yeah. what's ready, what's right, what's hot, and what's needed. So you mentioned, Davina, you mentioned in the opening a mentor just as you were coming out of college who helped kind of steer you in the right direction. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that, who that mentor was and, and what they said to you or how they guided you? Yes, definitely. So I had two main mentors in college and that was Harry Ufflin, uh, the late Harry Ufflin, uh, RIP to him. And then that was Barry Blaustein, mm -hmm. uh, he was my writing mentor. Mm -hmm. And Harry was the one that really sat me down and was like, you like understand the business, right? Like understand how this works. And then it was Barry that really, really helped me find my own writing process. And it blew my mind. Like once, once your process like clicks, I think a little like switch goes off inside of every person and you're just like, oh, I get this. I, I, I get this and I'm striding. And he's the one that really walked me through being there while also teaching me how to communicate creatively, um, how to give mm. notes properly. There's, there's a system and a mm. process for it. And it's a muscle that is meant to be practiced and flexed on how you communicate during creative discussions and brainstorming sessions and all of that. So I think in tandem, it kind of, it raised me up as a writer and it also raised me up as a business-minded person as well. And in the mix, I mean, I've, I've always relied on mentors. My, my entire career, I've had very specific mentors for very specific periods of my life that lead me into my next section. On one hand, you have to be, right? Like these, there's a very distinct difference between like old Hollywood and us new generation coming up and taking over. Mm -hmm. The reality is that the older generation- I don't know, Anya, I don't know which one we are. I think she might be talking about us in the old category. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. But the mentality, the let's talk, it's the, it's, no, no, it's the mentality you're talking about, right, Davina? Not, you know, not necessarily the age. <laughs> no, not I'm sorry. at all. Yeah. Not the, not the age at all. No, we're talking about in in regards to age, no. we're only talking about these old white males that have had mm, power yeah. in the industry for yeah, you know, yeah. way too long. Should have retired probably mm. 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they know a lot and they yes. know yeah. a lot of people. And you yeah. be a fool not to take that take that information yeah. and use it to propel you forward. So I've always yeah. relied on mentors. Can you talk a little bit about how you get your mentors? Mm -hmm. I think it's really helpful for our audience to hear that, how you gain them, how you keep them, you know, oh, how you definitely. Them. So mm -hmm. I, I base everything relationally. So it has to be right. like with Sean and I, we instantly connected just as yeah. human beings. And then I discovered what I can learn from him. And yeah. as I'm discovering that, I'm also seeing what their teaching methods are because different mentors will lead you in different ways. And it's on you to know what you respond well to and what you don't respond mm -hmm. well to. For example, Barry Blaustein, he's not an easy mentor, right? He's, he's gonna push you <laughs> to your limits and he's going to expect the best out of you because that's what he sees out of you. I responded well to that. Uh, I don't need somebody to hold my hand and tell me it's going to be okay, sweetie. I need somebody <laughs> to tell me what the heck I'm doing wrong and <laughs> tell me yeah, how to fix yeah. it. 
so that I can move forward. Um, So that style of mentorship helped me and I was able to identify like, okay, I respond well to to the point people, people that are not going to shy away from what I need to hear, but tell me straight up what I need to hear. Yeah. It's different for every people, different strokes for different folks. But I that's what I do. I, I lean in on the relationship. So it starts yeah. off with just pure human connection. And as that develops, I just start to learn exactly what their methods are and whether or not that's good for me. Hey, it's Fanchon, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. And if you haven't done this already, follow us on Twitter at Sister Brunch, Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast, Facebook, if you're still over there, we are. <laughs> That's facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. Go ahead and leave us a comment or something in our DMs. Share your news with us because then we can celebrate you. Davina, we talked about you having a focus, especially on uplifting LGBTQ plus community. And I think mm-hmm. we definitely haven't talked enough about that in the Black community and entertainment. So can you talk about how you keep your focus in that direction, how you uplift people? Or Definitely. So I think the easiest way uh, is just who I represent, the voices that I'm actually representing. I think that that's where it starts. It starts at protecting and building a strategy for the people that create these ideas authentically. So it's Mm -hmm. about finding those talents and being able to kind of pull them into the community and build them up within it. But apart from that also, it's, it's just identifying. Because I myself am gay, because I'm a lesbian, I think that I understand our experiences on a more intimate level. And I think that that translates well whenever we're talking about material that any given client Mm. is building at that time. Um, Mm. I think that it's especially important because, you know, we get so taken advantage of in the industry. Mm. Um, We get rewritten, we get written out of things, Mm. we get not Mm. hired uh, instead of, we get recasted all of the time. That's not right. So I think that by, on one hand, by representing the voices, um, myself being in this community, and then thirdly, I think that it's on me to be able to properly articulate this on the other side, right? There's a lot of, we know there's a lot of bad scripts out there. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to just say that too. Not everything, it just, you know, just because you're a Black woman or gay and Black don't mean you wrote a good script. Yes. There's a lot, there's a lot of material out there and not every time the right project gets chosen to make it into production, right? right? Right. Like the cell isn't enough. We want to see it made. That's the goal. Um, It's on us to be able to articulate properly on the other side. Are the network and the studio authentically pursuing this project? How are they building Mm. it? What Mm. team are they using around it? All of those things matter. And those conversations start the second the IP is purchased, right? Like before the script is even written, who's the first voice that is going to influence this story? And are they the right person to tell this story? Is it theirs to tell, right? All of those things, holding that accountability on the other side, I think is just as important as representing people from our community. What is it like for you? And do you have support? And are there times when you're uncomfortable being out and expressing your identity and all that you are? Yeah, never uncomfortable being who I am in a room, because I think that we 
we thankfully live in an era where, especially if you're in LA, you live in a city where mm. you feel a lot safer being yourself. Um, the frustration comes with there not being a lot of people mm -hmm. like me yeah. in these spaces. Um, I don't know, I, at the same time that I didn't know a lot of black agents coming up, I can't say that I know a lot of yeah. gay agents coming yeah. up either. Um, so it's a little isolating at times, um, you know, and the frustration I think comes when the system, you know, I'm still a victim right. of the system as well. So, you know, there's tokenship mm -hmm. that happens. Mm -hmm. There is kind of a know your place or just be seen, not heard experiences that happen. Yeah. Um, for that, honestly, I just have to have a no bullshit kind of rule of just like, you're not going to treat me like this. And, you know, you're going to respect me as I deserve to be respected um, and requiring that same amount of love and affection for everyone that I work with as well. Like just having a standard um, and requiring people to meet the standard instead of belittling ourselves and diminishing who we are for the sake of mm. the power that be in the room. I love it. I love the fact that I that I get to be out. I hope that uh, in my proudness that I'm out as yeah. obviously black because you can tell, but <laughs> I think gay too because you can tell <laughs> as well. Yes. <laughs> but I'm proud to be like that because uh, right. when I was a kid, we couldn't be. Yeah. Uh, we we had to be in the closet. We we had to hide ourselves. So now that I'm out, yes. I'm I'm out yes. and I'm proud and I love it. I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but. <clears throat> roadblocks just in this industry and how you come up against them it sounds like you really approach them with a very like honest truthful and no bullshit kind of policy but do you want to share a little bit with with the listeners about like how to maneuver in spaces that are tough um you know and staying up like is there an example you might be able to use or how to stay authentic because i think it is really difficult when you are one of one of one in a group of you know, homogeneous kind of group of people, which I, I, I find myself in those rooms a lot. And, um, you know, you want to navigate the space and, it, you know, be true to yourself, but also like you were saying before, not diminish who you are, you know, and hold your head high when you leave the room. Yeah, definitely. For, <laughs> for me, I guess, um, not that it's a specific example, but for me, I tend to, I lean on the fact that everyone is, scared shitless of being canceled yes. and yes. they yeah. do not whether whatever they do behind closed doors they don't want it to be shown out to the public and i think that <laughs> yeah even though instances happen because some people are idiots and they do horrible <laughs> things um yeah i think yeah. that the system is afraid of instances like that happening mm -hmm. so because mm -hmm. of that, I like to take advantage of that yes. and get ahead of it instead of shying back from it. So what that looks like is the second I realize that I'm being used as a token, I'm not just going to, for example, if I were to be a, you know, pulled into a signing meeting to sign a Black person because I'm Black, right? Right. Um, as soon as I see that happening, I'm pulling myself out of a meeting. I'm mm. talking to whoever it is that is above me and why they're that why it's not okay for that to happen. And yeah, at the end of the day, you're going to steer them in the right direction and say, this is how it should be. Is there yeah. real connectivity to the material? What kind of relationships yeah. are we building? What's the vision? What's the, the strategy, the things that actually matter, right? The, those parts yeah. of things, getting back on track with that. So 
I tend to be more straightforward with it instead of kind of shying back from that conversation because the second it is said, everyone goes on high alert. We're finally there and it is a nice place to be where where at the very least they listen. A lot of times they listen because they're like, we might get canceled and fine. If that's why you're going to listen, that's fine. But, but they are, we are finally in a place where saying something matters. And so we have to say something. We really do. They're lucky. They're so lucky. Yeah. It is a responsibility you carry being, you know, one of the only in that space is that we also become teachers even though we, it's fucking tiring and we don't want to do it all the time, but it becomes a part of our responsibility as we kind of break ground through these spaces. Oh yeah, you know, for each other, and we only get yeah. stronger, right? The more of us exactly. there are, yeah. the bigger we get, exactly. and the stronger we get, and yes. we we already move with one voice and one mind. Mm. Uh, so we're only right. going to get stronger in our voice, in our actions, and in our mind. So. Yeah. Big shoes to fill for sure. It's a big responsibility, but I think that everyone collectively holds that weight. Um, At least that's what I see in the gay community in Hollywood, that everyone carries that weight together. Therefore, it's not as heavy. Davina, what is your dream project? And that can be certainly you as an agent, but more importantly, let's put it out there. And you as a writer, as a writer, what is your dream project? (laughs) My dream project. So I err on the side of genre and drama. Um, I got a soft spot for those. I always say I like the dark, sick, and twisted, so I can get (laughs) pretty dark. I'm like, you speak Nora's language over here. Okay, (laughs) let's do it. I love it. So More. that's where I, I lean towards. Um, I'm also in love with hybrids and genre mm. blends. Oh. Um, I love, yeah, yeah. Yes. like, with Lovecraft Country, how we got sci-fi, yes. horror, yes. romance, drama. Love like, it. they hit us with yeah. everything. I just think that the average viewer is actually so sophisticated um yeah in how we view things from how we take in information at such a high rate whenever we're viewing a picture or a moving image and i think that genre blends really test the audience like can you keep up as we take you through different tones and worlds i just love that stuff so my dream project would definitely be something in that world i don't know what it looks like i don't know what that world is but something there yeah Davina, this has been amazing. You're our first agent on the show uh, in three seasons. And I, I just, I know that this is going to be so inspiring for our listeners who are emerging, you know, and kind of pushing their way in to know that there are agents like you here. Certainly inspiring for me in development, knowing that this this is what I can demand <laughs> from the agents yeah. I work with, you know. Um, yeah. This has been so great. Thank you so much. It went so fast. I know. Like it went, it went so, so fast. fast. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> thank you both. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. I hope that people can just see that there's a new generation coming up. Yes. We're taking over and we're making changes for the better. So yes. uh, thank you both. I'm, I'm forever grateful to be here.
Thank you for listening to Sister Brunch with me, Anya Adams, and Fanchin Cox. That was our conversation with Davina Heflin. Visit sisterbrunch.com to find out more about them and how to support them in their upcoming projects. Follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Sister Brunch. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. Have you got a question maybe for one of our guests? Then you can join our Ask Sister Brunch segment. Go to sisterbrunch.com, fill out the question form, and we might just read and answer your question on the air. Also sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can get job tips. You can get viewing recommendations and a whole lot more. And also don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. Your support helps us so much and it helps to spread the word about our podcast. Our senior producer is Sonatali Narcisse. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Cristobal and Sia Boade. We'd like to acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tonka people for those of us in Los Angeles. Can't wait to see you next time. Take care, everyone.